Welcome to Bookish Podcast with Caffanel, a podcast about books ish. A quick disclaimer before we start there may be some spoilers, so please save the episode for later if you don't want any. And also, please follow us on social at We Are Bookish Pod. We hope you enjoy. Hello. Hey, girl. Hey. Hello. Uh, we have a special episode today, so we're very lucky to be joined by an author today, which is exciting. Um, do you want to say hi? Hello, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're lucky to be joined by Talene Voscuni today. Um, she is an Armenian-American writer who grew up in the Bay Area diaspora, surrounded by a rich Armenian community. Um, she graduated from UC Berkeley with a BA in English and currently lives in San Francisco working in tech. Other than a newfound obsession with writing rom-coms, she spends her free time cultivating her kids, her garden and her dark chocolate addiction. Um, and we're going to be talking about her debut novel, Sorry Bro, today. So we're really excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you again for having me. <laughs> of course and as we were saying um just like off the record before this is like our first like proper author chat we've had an author chat before um with an indie author and now this is like one that we've actually gone through appropriate channels so this feels really fun for us and exciting and big yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I don't know if you want to start by telling us a little bit about the novel um what it's about um that kind of thing yeah, definitely. So the novel is a uh, about a woman named Nare Bedrosian who um, lives in the San Francisco Bay Area, and she is an Armenian American. And her boyfriend, a non-Armenian boyfriend, proposes to her in just like a very disastrous way. That was not her at all. It was his idea of romantic, and not hers. And she decides she gets coaxed by her mother to instead of, um, you know, say yes to him, she decides to go to this series of events called Explore Armenia and decide to be on the hunt for an Armenian husband instead, which is like her mom's dream. Um, so she's going to explore Armenia. And right away, the first person she meets there is this woman named Yerebuni, um, who's kind of a witchy Armenian woman, really in touch with the Armenian culture. And um, they just really take to each other, start off as friends and then fall for each other. Um, so none of the guys on not as mom's list, you know, make the cut and it's just yet a boonie from, you know, day one. Um, so the book is about her trying to reconcile, wait a minute, I'm not out as bisexual now. How do I do this? Like Armenian culture is, you know, very um, insular, can be more conservative. So trying to understand now that she's finally getting in touch with her Armenianness for the first time, she also has to come to terms and like come out uh, with her uh, bisexuality and hope that she doesn't lose her family in the process. So that's kind of what the book's about. Yeah, I really liked that, like her finding her, she's finding love and she's also like finding herself. It was like a nice, like she found two things. She found two loves in a, in a way, like not just like, one with with Yara Beauty, but also like with her identity, with her culture. Like um, it was, I really like that you explored that. Um, could you tell us a little more about what inspired you to write write this novel? Yeah, I think part of it is that you know I myself I went to Armenian school. I was you know very much in the Armenian community for so long, and then I went to uh, in high school. I went to a very very 
white American high school and just felt so like foreign and othered there, which is strange because I, I don't know. I, I that I guess that's how I was made to feel and tried to fit in and tried to, you know, um, slough off that Armenianness, even though I always was, you know, loved part of it too. Um, and I think for a while I just ignored that part of myself. And even when I wrote stories, they were like white people stories and I never wrote about my Armenianness. It was as if it wasn't there at all. Um, and then finally, I, I, I'm not sure what did it honestly, but I, maybe getting older, I don't really know, maybe having kids, I got more in touch with my Armenianness again. And as I did, I, I kind of want to write this story of this woman, um, uh, getting in touch with her Armenianness. So that was that side of it. And then in terms of the love story, I just felt that was the one I wanted to write. Like there, uh, I, I think with writing, I like to write about the unexamined parts of my life. And, um, I think there wasn't enough, uh, of the, like the bisexuality, like experience. Uh, like explored for me. So I wanted to do it in novel form. So I was like, all right, what would happen if, um, and I just heard the conversation between these two women I was very interested in their like, uh, dynamic, like Yeraguni is very cool, slow, and not as like more frantic, hot, excited. Um, and so they had a really interesting, um, like opposites attract there. Um, so that's, that's what, what I thought would be fun to write about. And it was, it was a lot of fun to write. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's, it's one of those novels that you read and you're like, oh, yeah, like the author had fun here. <laughs> <laughs> I had the best time. Yeah, we love that. Um, yeah, we also noticed that it's a own voices novel. I actually had to look that up. I think um, it's really interesting, like the concept of it. And um, I, on, when I, on my little Google search, it said the term refers to books about characters from underrepresented um, underrepresented groups in which the author shares the same identity um, the writing is inspired by the author's own experiences and written from their own perspective and I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about that because I just think it's a really co interesting concept and something that I definitely want to explore a bit more yeah for sure I I think with with that there's two aspects of it there's the Armenianness and the bisexuality and so I really brought both of that into um the book um, for the own voices aspect and for the Armenianness. I mean, there's so many ways to be Armenian. There's no, there's no correct way to be Armenian. Then every Armenian's experience is different. Um, I'm in the Armenian diaspora in the San Francisco Bay area. There's, you know, the LA experience, the Canadian Armenian experience um, outside of North America. So, you know, so many other pockets of Armenian diasporas uh, communities. And then there's of course Armenia itself. And, you know, uh, so the in this book, it doesn't speak for every diaspora community, it doesn't necessarily speak for Armenians in Armenia, but it's a snapshot in time of what, you know, the San Francisco Bay Area diaspora and Armenian community looks like for this kind of person. So mm -hmm. I want to bring that to the table and hope that it felt very authentic because, you know, it was, it was from my lived experience. Um, so, so that's, that's what I brought there. And then uh, in terms of bisexuality, like there, it's so wonderful to see there are so many more um, sapphic romances now. It's so great. And I think less of them now are like way less of them are coming out stories, which is good too, because it's almost like mm. in a way, you know, um, mm. the culture has moved on from it. It's not just like, there's this idea of we're so much more than our coming out stories, which I totally agree with. However, I think not every coming out story has been told yet. Um, and I would, I would love to see even more of them, even from, you know, other cultures, because it's still tough. Like it's still 
a problem. It's still um, there's difficulty there. And when there's difficulty, there's a there's a story to be told. So I, I felt that there was still something to be told here. And I want to tell it from that that perspective. I don't think my future books will will because now I've like got this out of my system sort of. <laughs> but this first one, I just needed it to be this way. A coming out story. Yeah, I really love that. Um, just how you speak about Armenian culture, it comes through so, so well. It's really rich, mm, um, especially when you have, like, I'm, I'm like second generation, like, of immigrants. So my grandparents came over in the Windrush to the UK. My mum's a first generation, I'm second. So when you were writing about, like, going to events, um, like, uh, and the like, I, I could relate because I've been in those situations and you know when you have to find a balance between when you're talking about going to a different high school um, from the school that you went to um, like as a child and we call them primary schools here in the UK but um, like finding where you fit in how your culture plays alongside that sometimes you do just sort of walk away from from that and then you have to you find a way I feel like people mostly do always find a way back to it in a in different ways but um I really love the way that you wrote about you could feel the love that you had for it and also just like through the lens of like coming back to her mother in a way because she'd always taken on so much about her father and his relationship with his Armenian culture and wanting to maybe assimilate with with American culture and what he wants to instill in Nare and Nark, sorry, and then to come back, for her to come back to it as an adult, um, fully formed with both sides, both her mother and the father and finding a path that's her own. I just thought it was really lovely. Um, Thank you. And, you know, that's a really good point too about her, you know, coming back to her her mother's side too, like getting closer with her mother in this way, not in the way her mom had expected actually yeah. um, but in in a different way that's yeah that that's so true there's another another layer there to the book Absolutely. um and um, for for anyone who would like to learn more about Armenian history like where would you point them because I because you speak so richly about it and I think on page 84 and I don't have my book in front of me when um yeah the okay. is talking about food mm-hmm. um and what that means Page eighty four. Yes. We've got it. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> oh, it's the thing where she's talking about how it represents identity and protest. I just oh, I love that. Yeah, resistance and uh huh. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, because we've been, you know, we uh, other, you know, countries are neighbors. Actually, in Armenia, try have been trying and are currently trying to just stamp us out. They would love if Armenians just did not exist. It's very sad and a true, like very real threat to Armenians. So through, you know, there are many ways to exist as Armenians. And one of them is food. And the, you know, the culture has been passed down in in this way. And anytime, you know, we make Armenian food, we share it with our kids, the children learn, they make it, it uh, keeps the culture alive. So that's, um, and and if you if anyone wants to read more about that particular aspect of Armenianness and Armenian history, uh, there's this incredible writer, reporter, journalist called Liana Arajanian. I think it's Arajanian. She's written for the New York Times among many other outlets, and um, she writes uh, extensively about Armenian food and food history. And I was very uh, influenced by her for for that character for the Vatican. 
yeah i was gonna say i really love like it made me so hungry when i was eating it <laughs> i'm reading it not eating it <laughs> i really want to go and eat some food now <laughs> yeah i was too even while writing like oh i could really go for some suny kofta takes forever to make but i really want it <laughs> <laughs> what would you recommend then if we were going to go to like we've loads of street like market stalls that like speak and cook to different cultures if we happened to cross uh one that was like an armenian food like store mm-hmm. what would you recommend we take yeah if there if it was like a like a western armenian which is like it has the you know the, the turkish lebanese uh syrian influence which i personally think is a little more delicious than the eastern like i, I just <laughs> love that cuisine a little more and that's that's my family's cooking too so that that plays into it also so what you're used to and it feels like home to me um those football kuftas are just like to die for there if you eat meat it's it's the the one to go for it's just like beef on beef pie shaped like a little football uh, american <laughs> football sorry <laughs> and it's brown and everything um with like pine nuts and spices and bulwar and it's deep fried and they didn't fry it in the book by the way and I, I i did make that slight mistake they baked it but i thought uh in this cooking class they shouldn't do deep frying you know like it's uh <laughs> it's like too much danger and i didn't want to have a fire scenario in the book. <laughs> but those, i would ever come across a football Kifte, um absolutely go for that they're so good <laughs> <laughs> okay nice i'm nice. writing that down too <laughs> yeah i'm literally gonna seek that out on the weekend <laughs> um nice um yeah we really yeah there's lots of stuff that we really loved about the book but um so i mean one thing that like we really enjoyed was all the proverbs at the start of each chapter um and we just like we're wondering like which one is your favorite if you have a favorite and also like why did you decide to include the proverbs at the beginning of the chapters like was there something um that inspired you to do that are there any other books that you know that do something similar that inspired you like what 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 was it really yeah, I've, I've always loved when books have epigraphs, you know, at the top of each chapter, whatever they may be, or even chapter titles. I, I just like something about that kind of wrapping it up, summarizing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I never had done it before. And uh, I was on Twitter while I was drafting or before I was drafting. And this uh, Armenian author, Nancy Krikorian, who I'd known about for years, read her book when I was, you know, in when I was young in like sixth grade. Uh, she started posting these Armenian proverbs and some of them were so fascinating. I actually started saving them. And um, I reached out to her and she recommended a book of Armenian proverbs to me, um, Seven Bites from a Raisin. So I purchased that book and another one too, just called Armenian Proverbs and, and Translations. And so uh, each book had the original proverb in Armenian and then the translation in English. So I went through and I don't know, I was just taken with them. First of all, I hadn't heard most of these proverbs. So I was learning. I was learning this new aspect of my culture. And so I wanted to, um, I don't know, infuse the book with that. And they're just so, it was so easy actually to pair a proverb with the chapter. It was fun. That was a very like fun part of the book. I went through um, the Proverbs books and just highlighted the ones I really liked. And then I would go back once the book was finished, the first draft anyway, and pair them with chapters. And, and that was, that was a lot of fun to do. Um, and my favorite, I, re- I really like a lot of them. Uh, so like my favorite funny one maybe there are two there's like a funny one and serious one my favorite funny one is like i like him as much as i like smoke in my eyes <laughs> just, <laughs> just like sassy i just love that that became a saying 
<laughs> uh, yeah, like how did that come to be? I'd love to know the story behind it. <laughs> started saying that one. Um, and then I also really love the one about the the wildflower on the mountain would not change its place with the rose in the garden, which is kind of like this idea of being like imperfect but free is better than being like perfect but trapped, which is sort of like not as what she goes through in the book too. She's trying to be so perfect and like fit this image of what she's supposed to be. Um, and in the end, she realizes like, no, I want to be this imperfect like wildflower on the mountain. It's, um, that's the way I want to be just myself, true true to who I am. So I, I love that one. I love that. I like that. Yeah, I really do. Um, I... It's just making me think of like her going through all those dating scenarios and there's like a big checklist of men that she has to <laughs> appease for her mother. <laughs> all the while knowing that it's just yellow boonie, yellow boonie, yellow boonie. <laughs> She's just like, I love that she still goes through the motions like, oh yeah. God, all right, I better talk to this chap then. <laughs> I know. I, I never received a similar list from my mom, but I but the list was inspired by my my own self when I was in high school. I was so had so many crushes, and I swear I made lists of them. Like I was just like <laughs> all kinds of things. I was so just like uh, I had never had any boyfriend or girlfriend or anything, and I was just like I love everyone. Like I have these crushes, and it was like. <laughs> boys I was ranking at the time you know but um so it kind of harkened back to to those days of um my 14 year old self just like <laughs> obsessed <laughs> with these boys and um, putting them in lists I thought <laughs> oh that's fun like imagine if a mom did that and like included their heights and, and whatnot it seemed like so but also maybe realistic enough <laughs> I love there was like a bit in the book, it's not spoiling anything for anyone, because um, we're going to avoid spoilers for once. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But there's like a bit when uh, <laughs> for once, is, yeah. <laughs> she, she's writing, doesn't she write like a like a letter or like an assignment about a person and everything that they love without it actually being explicit about all the things that they were thinking about wanting to do with them. Yes. That made me laugh. You just telling that yes. story then just made me think of that specific little yes. in the book I, I pulled it right so she was about like the assignment in her high school was to yes. write say about one of your classmates and what you admire about them and it was like very gushingly admiring about this girl on her soccer team I think. <laughs> <laughs> like a little love letter but not quite yeah, exactly. yeah. stealthy love letter <laughs> <laughs> I may have done that too <laughs> <laughs> it's like so writing it's a very large Jean-esque without giving it to the person uh exactly yeah like writing a letter not sending it but it's, it's more for you than it is about for that person I suppose totally yeah getting it out yeah yeah it's so funny because I actually wrote a love letter when I was oh like maybe like six or seven to this mm. boy and then he found it and he he's friends with my brother's girlfriend and he found it and he sent it to her so now everyone got this picture of this love letter that I'd written when I was like six (laughs) (laughs) he still had it though so (laughs) oh that's quite sweet exactly um so you're gonna sort of pivot slightly but not so much we're going to go to the beginning of the book and what was the catalyst for I guess Nas like journey um into finding herself and her true love um 
but also where we started when we first started our first episode was on Dolly Alterton's ghosts um and we feel like uh Nard's engagement story was like probably like one of the worst sort of situations in which you can find yourself being engaged like <laughs> he, he takes her to a sports bar like, it's just like not nothing that speaks to who she is as a person it's like he didn't he got an instruction manual and decided to just like ignore it <laughs> it's like oh I don't need to do that um and we were talking in our first episode we talk about schadenfreude stories it's all those sort of dating horror stories like engagement or um anything like that where you hear it from people that like a horrible dating story that you hear from other people and then you think thank god that wasn't me um and I feel like Nah has that with uh I see I've already forgotten his name. Trevor. Oh, Trevor. Mm-hmm. Trevor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> how they see it, told you. How they got engaged and how we invited his work nemesis to record oh. it all. Um, so we wondered whether there was a story in your own real life or that you've heard through other people that's just as shocking and you thank, think, thank God that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. <sighs> If it helps, my friend got dumped at Disneyland while I was there. Awful story, but it's like one of the most hilarious tales to tell. She doesn't mind me talking about it, but at the time it was the weirdest situation. No, no, I know if anything, like I, uh, I was on a a trip once we saved up and we went to Europe. We went to Paris, me and my, my ex-boyfriend and um, we were there. And on like the fourth day in Paris, I was so miserable and I'm like I'm in freaking Paris I should be having the time of my life and you realize oh my god I need to dump him I don't like him at all I might hate him so <laughs> and then there was still like not only three more days of the Paris trip left then we were going to London and meeting up with his parents who happened to be there oh, so, so I did all that but you know what after I realized I was I had to leave him I was just like much happier like much lighter had a pretty good time on the rest of the trip his parents are really nice people too I really like them uh, I so. love that though and what, and what a brilliant place to have like an epiphany in Paris it's just like I'm the most beautiful city in the world with yes. someone I don't think I like that <laughs> but now that I've known this I can enjoy the rest of the trip and I know exactly what I need to do that's yes. so funny we were in this rented apartment where the like this uh the floor was steep and it was like if you had a marble it would just roll very fast across to the other side and I remember just feeling like off balance like until just that whole time and like it was this real metaphor for the way I was feeling and then that morning in the apartment feeling off balance I realized that was it (laughs) (laughs) oh I love that it's like it's like your physical surroundings is off balance and so it's like oh love it completely completely poetic yeah (laughs) love it and also you're in the city of love Maybe, maybe that was like, you were like, nah, I'm not feeling it. Yeah. I I know. So if anything, I was the the dumper. I was, I was the bad, I was the one giving him a bad time. Poor guy. He wasn't really bad at all. He was perfectly nice, but we just weren't, weren't meant to be. Um, But at least it didn't get to the the proposal stage. So that, that is a relief. It's a relief. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, you know, that kind of thing. Oh yeah. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I think we were you... going to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just realizing now, t- speaking with both of you, that that was sort of the inspiration for 
this, you know, not a relationship, how, you know, it's not too unrealistic to be with someone for a couple of years that you're not really that compatible with because you think you should be with them for whatever reasons you think like, oh, they're a really nice person and they've done nice things for me. And this is what love should be. And that, you know, that's how she, she kind of justifies being with him for four or four and a half years and letting it get this far, which yeah. you know, I, have, I have been guilty of my, myself. So I was hoping to, you know, infuse that in the story, too. But I don't think I consciously thought of thought of this ex while, while doing it. <laughs> yeah. so, sometimes it takes for you to be in a maybe an unfamiliar situation for you to then get to that point. So like yeah. you being in Paris and that being proposed to. Um, yeah. Like, because if you were just going through the day-to-day motions of it all, you probably wouldn't come to that conclusion as quickly. Oh, you um, are so right. That makes yeah. so much sense. Yes, you, you had to get there. Through. Though that's important. Yeah, you had to get thrown out of your normal routine to figure things out sometimes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's true actually, and that's like often people break. Like I think in COVID, there was lots of breakups, wasn't there? Because it was yes. like everything was just so different. Um, mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh, actually, I don't want to spend every single day with this person. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Not good for this. (laughs) It's eye-opening. Yeah. Yeah. I think there'll be a... I think we're definitely going to see some COVID stories, aren't we? There's less than I thought, but I did notice, I read another uh, book the other day, um, and it was set up until 2019, and uh-huh. I was like, I feel like that's on purpose so that they don't have to yes. like enter the COVID situation. But oh, completely. Yeah. I've I've been doing that myself. Like the three books I'm writing. This one said in 2015. I always said it a little bit in the past. I feel like I need a little bit of space in order to write. So I wrote it in 2020 and I need five years space <laughs> to like think about what 2015 really felt like. I felt like I had a very good handle on that, but less so, you know, I didn't want to write a, a COVID story. Um, and then my next book takes place in 2017 and the one I'm hoping to draft soon takes place in 2019. So I don't know. I keep doing this. Like, <laughs> it's strange. I know some people might find it very strange, but I don't know. <laughs> You're almost doing. at 2020. So <laughs> I know. Shoot the next one. <laughs> yeah. And then you just sort of skip over it and go 2022. But then yeah. you've got this whole chunk of like life that you sort of have to like yeah. wrap up. <laughs> maybe that's what I'll do <laughs> how do you so when you write in the past um what kind of things do you do to keep I guess like you'd have to fact check some stuff I guess just to double check that things happened when they did happen if you're referencing yeah. stuff but what other things should writers be mindful of um if they are gonna look back into the past and write yeah I think, I think even like um music like what what songs they're listening to even like references like phrases especially now with you know the social generation like thing new phrases come up very fast and like nobody was saying that two years ago and then suddenly everybody's saying that so just making sure that's um accurate um i made sure of that music i feel like there was one other oh yeah like with instagram there were no stories no instagram stories in 2015 Uh. so i i I wasn't able to put that, you know, not as kind of an influencer, but there were no stories yet. So I couldn't add that at that aspect of it. It was just posts. So I wanted to make sure that was accurate as well. And the flat lay. It was the the, the season of the flat lay, wasn't it? It was a big flat lay season in 2015, yes. Think about yeah. all those like new, it's so like small things like mm. that would really trip you up when you don't, 
if you don't think about it, right? Like, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah completely. And there were other things too. And then bigger things, which is that in the book, uh, Yerebuni is pushing towards uh, this um, recognition of the Armenian genocide. And in 2015, I believe there was that push and it it failed. So it wasn't, uh, I think it, it failed. I think it did. Hold on. I, and now I'm not 100% sure. I need to think about that. But absolutely for sure, the Armenian genocide had not been recognized by a sitting American president at that point. But uh, Biden, President Biden was the first president who did it. So currently the Armenian genocide is recognized by the U.S. by a sitting U.S. president, which is not okay. the case in 2015. So there were things like that too. Um, and, and, and Congress did eventually pass that bill, that, that genocide recognition bill. And I forgot if it was in 2015, I believe it did fail then and it passed later. So, mm. you know, behind the scenes, they're working towards this, but spoiler alert, it did not work out for, for Yadavunian, um, oh. at least that year. It worked out later. You know, we kept, we keep pushing, keep going. The it good sounded, part. it sounded quite hopeful that it, yeah. that it would get to that point, but yes, yeah. spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> but at least it, it is. It's put, you said we're pushing it forward, right? That's what people need to continue to do. Yeah, exactly. And and they did. The Armenian lobby is very um like they're 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 good. Like they they know what they're doing. Um, they're not going to back down. They're very very strong. Yeah, love it. And do you have any other tips for like any budding writers? I am supposed to be writing, but I just never Ooh. write. So Ellie always tells everyone I'm a writer. And then I'm like, but I'm not because I never write anything. She is a writer. She yeah. will be. One day, so, maybe. I believe in you, Catherine. You're yeah. going to write. Yes. So my tip for you, actually, I have a very good tip for that, for for finishing and writing. My, my tip is find something that you want to submit to that has a deadline so that's what I did because otherwise okay. I will write endlessly like I could just write forever if I don't have a deadline but what I did was I found this contest AMM author mentor match which I don't think is happening this year kind of fizzled out and disappeared a lot of the mentor uh, mentoring programs have unfortunately um, but find one there are still others and new ones are popping up too um, that has a deadline. You like have to submit your manuscript or whatever it is, your first 50 pages by, by this date. So that oftentimes lights a fire and you're like, okay, I have to do it. And if I miss it by one day, that's it. I can't get in. So I must finish by this date. Um, so for me, that was hugely helpful. And I, you know, I did NaNoWriMo too, and I did that a couple times and it didn't quite work out for me. So if it doesn't work the first time, don't worry. Like uh, there are other ones, but I think finding a finding something with an end date that you have to finish by really helps. So see if that works. I don't know. It worked for me. Yeah, it's a good good thing actually. Because actually, Ellie sent me a competition. And I it was like way too close to the deadline. But maybe like that's what I should do. Find one and then submit. Yeah, like a couple months out, or depending on just a short story or whatever it is. Like find one with a comfortable amount of space, not too far, not too short, and do mm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But I, um, other, I mean, you, you probably know a lot of the other advices, you know, find critique partners, really helpful. Find someone, people in the same boat as you. Also, one I found very helpful is find someone that is just a little like, quote unquote, better than you, not better, but somewhere you want to be, but that's mm -hmm. still within reach. So you're not going okay. for, you know, the most pristine novel ever written they're like trying to reach out necessarily but i think finding someone you're like ah oh, that's just within reach like i want to write like this person um 
and the kind of like studying and learning from them um, that I, I've done a lot of that too, just like writing, reading works of, of other authors, um, both like of, um, across the spectrum, like different genres, everything, just trying to improve myself that way. So that's, that's something I've done too. Nice. Thank you. Amazing. Right, Kath, I'm going to find you another writing thing and send it to you. You're going to do it. Yes. Yeah, there are lots of contests. I'm always sending her stuff. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you can do it. Friend. I believe in you. Yeah, you're one day. Good, good she's a fantastic writer. Thanks. So, yeah. Well, I want to read your stuff one day too. So there's more inspiration. Look, I'm getting a little group together. How do you yes. want to be my agent? <laughs> I literally tell every every author thing we go to, I'm like, she wants to write too. Uh, she got these tips. <laughs> she just looks at me like, God, Al, be quiet. That's funny. Um, but well, we're obviously called book ish, so we always have to talk a little bit about the ish. <laughs> So we want to know what you've been up to recently, what you have been watching, um, mm-hmm. and, and what if you've got any book recommendations, all of the ish parts. So I think when you, um, we, we were talking about like Netflix before earlier, um, mm-hmm. pre-episode, pre-recording, but I don't know if there's anything that you would recommend to anyone to watch that you really enjoyed. Let's see. So, so to give you a slice of what my, my life looks like, I have a four-year-old and a nine-month-old oh, and I work oh, wow. and uh, my spouse works. And we're, so there's a lot going on for, and the like baby doesn't sleep that well. So we're just like zombies all the time. And my, my <laughs> older kid is, is like, has such a beautiful like zest for life that comes with uh, unending supply of energy. Um, so <laughs> we're very <tired. laughs> like, I, I remember, for instance, when I watched the first season of the crown, it was in 2017, no kids, um, just binge that like crazy. And then this last episode, uh, this last season, I watched maybe like a quarter of an episode each night, sometimes with my spouse, sometimes not with my spouse. Like you have to weigh, like, do I get sleep tonight or can, do I watch something? <laughs> like this is sort of my life right now. However, uh, the kids went to sleep early two nights ago and we watched a movie. We were like, oh my God, we can watch a movie? Like two <laughs> shit. Um, so we watched uh, She Said, which was, um, which was incredible. It was a, it's with Carrie Mulligan who only does like, good movie. So I knew when Carrie Mulligan was in this, this has to be quality. And it's about the Harvey Weinstein case and the two New York Times reporters that um, like investigated it for many, many months, looking into everything, trying to get people to to speak, trying to get people to speak on the record, um, trying to being, you know, attempted being stopped by at every angle by Harvey Weinstein's people. And it was just very well done and exciting. Like I've never been in journalism myself, like, and this confirmed that it was a good move because you have to be so... <laughs> fearless like just so bold and i i do not have that in me but um it, it really makes me admire admire what they do good journalists so um that was that was really fantastic and i didn't know much about it just scrolling the new movies and saw carrie mulligan in it and said okay this is the one <laughs> this is yeah. what we're doing winner winner yes i'm trying to think if we've watched i've watched anything like 
fun and uplifting. <laughs> like, like, cause that was not, it was not fun or uplifting, but it was, uh, but it was really great. Well, it, it was, was a little powerful, though. Yeah. Like yeah. they managed to, to do it in the end. They, they managed to bring the story to light. Right. Like, yes, um, exactly. hmm. hold on. I know I've, I've been watching something fun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I watched some of the sex lives of college girls, which like was pretty good. Like it was very funny, had some mixed feelings about it, but also enjoyed parts of it too. Um, have, have either of you seen it? It's the Mindy no, Kaling show. I've seen, I've seen, oh, I do like Mindy Kaling though. I do yeah, think she's too. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, I've seen the adverts for it. Although, um, Kath, you like the Never Have I Ever, right? On Netflix yes. by Mindy Kaling. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I really that was, enjoyed that, that too. It was very cute. I, I like high school love stories. Like, a lot. Yeah, yeah. And it was just really easy to watch. Like, yeah, I just found it comforting. I think I was ill one weekend and I just watched <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is. It is very, very comforting to watch. Really cute characters. Great characterization all around. Yeah, she's good for that. I'm yeah. really good for that. I do like Mindy Kaling. Yeah. How about you? Have you have you seen anything fun? Oh, um, I was, <laughs> we were just talking about reality TV before. So because I was on I was on Twitter earlier, uh-huh. and I saw that Netflix is dropping the fourth season of Love Is Blind, and I just oh. went. I'm still reeling from the last one. (laughs) (laughs) Relentless with it. (laughs) They really are. And I'm just like, I don't think this concept has worked past the first season. So what are we doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Apart from being really messy with people's lives. Um, But I still watch. So here I am. We're kind of bind um, with it all. Yeah. and they're, they're launching a, a uk version of it now mm. so they've got like like an application form for which you can um apply and the amount <laughs> of people that have sent me the link <laughs> no yeah and i'm like i'm serious well Kath was like you're considering it aren't you and i was like no, no. yes you are <laughs> so here we are Imagine um, next time you see Al, she'll be on your TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would oh, binge. Help. I, would, I would lose sleep for that for sure. I would binge watch. <laughs> <laughs> that was hey, good to know. Someone behind a pod. What you, Kath? Um, what have I been watching? I'm really rubbish at watching stuff, but I've been watching really like. Really silly, but like quite fun show on Apple TV. I basically got a free trial of Apple TV. Um, <laughs> and whilst there's some really like good stuff on there, I've been watching something called Loot. And it's like, it's got the, I'm really bad with um, actors' names. It's got the actress from Bridesmaids in it. Um, Melissa McCarthy. No. No. Um, oh. Oh God, um, the blonde one. one. Yeah. My Rudolph. My Rudolph. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's got Maya Rudolph in, um, and it's just like quite funny. Like she basically, what happened? The premise is that her she finds out her husband's cheating on her. She's her husband's a billionaire, and she finds out he's cheating on her, and then she gets half the fortune, and then like 
one of the things she finds out she has is a foundation in her name and then it's like her trying to do all this charity work but she's like so out of touch and then it's like a bit of a redemption story like oh um I'm actually like a good person even though I like have a private jet you know that kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) so it's quite silly yeah that sounds so fun am I it's just like yeah, she's really funny, but she's got... So basically, her outfits in her are absolutely outrageous. And <laughs> me and my flatmate, watching it with my flatmate, and we're like, why is she wearing that? But then her pajamas are incredible. Like, her pajama game is so strong. I really want to go and buy new, some new pajamas, so... Oh that alone makes me want to watch it. I need to see what these pajamas are. It's giving, like, um, like Shit's Creek type was rich isn't all like but the reverse yeah. way of it like uh-huh. but it's really a bit like more that. like bridesmaids humor rather than yeah. like shit's creek humor like dry. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um yeah. yeah the only other thing that i would recommend is um the white lotus if anyone's not watching. yes i Thank did you. get to watch that again slowly little bits at a time it was, it was so good <laughs> fantastic fantastic and i just love that like for me like the attention to detail like even just like in the opening credits like I can't wait to hear what the soundtrack is going to sound like for the third season wherever it ends up because they really tailor that music to Mm. like the opening credit music so yeah fantastic to like the location fantastic so beautifully shot too like I can just watch any every scene is, is just so beautiful my um, friend, we're planning to go to um, Sardinia for mm. our summer break. And she was just like, I just need to go somewhere Italy or Italy-esque because I want to drink apple spritz. I've been watching <laughs> too much White Lotus. <laughs> they really do drink apple spritz there. <laughs> A little aperitif. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I want an apple spritz now. <laughs> um, and... Do you have any book recommendations? We're gonna. Yes, I, I finished reading uh, "Mistakes Were Made" by Meryl Wilsner, which was so fun and steamy. Another sapphic romance. Um, yeah, very very steamy. I think there's like eight hot scenes <laughs> in it, and it's it's the MILF book. If you heard about that one uh, at all, and <laughs> actually, uh, yeah. So, so... wow, <laughs> so... <laughs> adding that to the list. <laughs> <laughs> This a college student accidentally sleeps with her best friend's mom. So that's the premise. <laughs> Hence, mistakes were made. <laughs> yeah. Okay, on the list. We'll <laughs> see. I know. And I thought it was just, it was so well done. I thought the re- resolution was really good. And, and again, quite steamy. So prepare yourself. Uh, <laughs> so that, that, was, that was really great. Um, I actually just finished reading a book by an Armenian author uh, named Chris McCormick. And that book was called The Gimmicks. Totally different. It's like literary fiction about uh, Armenia in the Soviet, Soviet Armenia in the 70s and 80s um, and coming to America. It also involves like um, American WWF wrestling, Armenian nationalist organizations, just very uh, backgammon tournaments, murder, just so much interesting stuff in this book. Um, so that was that was really cool. And it was I've made a uh, promise to myself to read more Armenian authors this year. So that was the first first of the year that I read and it did not disappoint. It was it was fantastic. Wow. Amazing. I've, I've written that down too. I've written yeah. both of those down. 
yeah yeah Yeah. adding them to my list yeah Yeah. that's lovely well um i'm like i can't stop thinking about the 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 milf milf (laughs) (laughs) but the other book sounds great actually because i was saying like oh i want to learn like like more about armenian culture and stuff now so yes definitely put them putting them on the list Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really seminal book also for that is uh, Chris Bojalian's The Sandcastle Girls. And Chris Bojalian is like, if you know him, he's just like a, he's written like, I don't know, 25 books, kind of like that book club fiction books. And they're, they're all, he's just a great storyteller. He, he knows what he's doing. He's a very confident writer. And so his book, The Sandcastle Girls, was uh, at Armenia, a story about the Armenian genocide. And it's hard. It's it's like very difficult to put it down and like cry sometimes. Oh. But it was like it's an important and very good story um, and like just wonderfully written just the way all of Chris's work is. Um, so he also wrote like The Flight Attendant, if you ever saw the HBO show. Oh, um, yes. Uh-huh. Yes. That's his book. So he yeah. So he's just great. Um like lifelong storyteller and I'll, I'll read any of his books. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, wow. Sorry guys, I'm typing, but I, <laughs> right the time. you know, we have a recording of this Al. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> just trying to retain information in the moment. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. I mean, this has been great. Oh, thank you so much. This has been so fun chatting with you both. Yeah, it's been lovely. Thank you so. Thank you for your book for blessing us with it and the world. I, I really hope that everyone gets the opportunity to pick it up and have a read because um, it's it's just lovely. It's just mm. so nice. It's like a love, a nice love story, um, both for Nare and Yerabuni, but also for Nare and herself. So um, mm-hmm. let's pick it up. Thank you. <laughs> cool well guys we'll see you all next time (laughs) yeah until then bye bye and that's the app if you like the episode please leave us a lovely review subscribe and share with your friends and we'll love you forever (laughs) follow us on socials at we are bookish pod thanks for listening